This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 45 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. We would like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. They offer supplements designed to give you the most value for your dollars. Visit them at kppusa.com. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Lisa Wilcox in Wellington, Florida. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Lisa. Welcome back. Thanks. Seems like it's been a while. It, Forever. It has, been, it has been a while, but I know you've been busy. You you had an, an auction recently down there. Um, and yes. It, yep. So that was exciting. So that kept you really busy preparing for that, didn't it? That sure did. And I'm I'm looking forward to telling you a little bit about that. Great. Well, we'll look forward to that, too. We've got a big show lined up, as always, this week. Um, we're going to be talking to Evie Strass, the Canadian rider, who is uh, based in Canada and uh, has a base also in Germany. And I met, was able to catch up with her uh, recently, and so I'm going to share that conversation with you a little bit later on in the program. And we're also going to get a, a report on the World Cup final from uh, Hertogenbosch, which took place last weekend, and uh, that's going to be Klaatje van Andel of Dressage Direct. No better person to give us that report, Lisa, because, uh, of course, she is Dutch. She is right there just uh, down the road from Hertogenbosch, and, and uh, she's also... Um, you know, she's been covering these World Cups for, for forever, so it, mm. you know it's wonderful to have a review of that. Did you follow? Were you? Were you? I guess you were busy this past weekend. Did you follow any of the World Cup final? I I was able to get a little bits and pieces. I saw those scores and phenomenal. The first day, of course, in the Grand Prix, we we're all kind of biting our nails, going, "Oh, what happened?" <laughs> so yes. it was nice to see the little rearrangement. But uh, we figured, knowing these guys, the professionals that they are, that that arrangement would find itself again for the freestyle, and it did. Uh, but uh, with a, with a wham, so yes, we got to follow scores, and that was about it. Yeah, no, it really was a bit of an upset there at the start. I think a few nerves all round, and but he settled in to do the job, and, and so no surprise there uh, that the Dutch took first, second, and and third. So we'll get a full report of that a little bit later on. Uh, but we have another item of news before we get to that, uh, and it's some good news, Lisa, of our friend Courtney King Dye. And those of you who have been following Courtney's uh, story since, of course, she had that terrible accident a few weeks ago and was in a coma. And we have been bringing you updates, uh, thanks to her good friend, Lyndon Gray, uh, that we've been posting on our website. Uh, there was one just uh, last week after she had been moved from uh, West Palm Beach, from the hospital down there, to to New Jersey, to the Kessler Rehabilitation Institute in West Orange, New Jersey. Well, we've learned uh, that uh, she is actually out of a coma, which is very, very good news. And uh, while she's no longer in that coma, she still needs more time to fully emerge, according to her husband, Jason. The head of the brain injury department has described her current phase as being at the higher end of a minimally conscious state. She has some awareness of her surroundings and responds intermittently to requests. So this is terrific progress, Lisa. I mean, this is very encouraging after the when you think of the devastating effect of that 
that accident that she's actually making this kind of progress in, in a few short weeks. Yes. Uh, I tell you, we're all following this quite closely here in Wellington. <clears throat> and uh, I know, know Lyndon has been very, very optimistic. And, uh, and of course, we're, we're all pulling for her. And, you know, I'm, I'm following Robert Dover's blog on a regular basis, and we're all praying feverishly here. And you, you, you know, I know these little movements. Everybody wants something more, but it, you know, this this is a good sign. This is showing us that she's becoming more aware, and that's that's the best thing that we could ask for at this point. It really is a very is. serious situation, you know, cracking her skull the way she did, and then as you called it, what did you call that? Separating. It's a brain shear, I believe, is the is the correct term for it. When the the brain is sheared from the skull, um, yes, this was my understanding. And, yes, and that that and, and and knowing this, I'm just so thankful that she's starting to come around now. Yes. Yes, it's very, very encouraging, and we will bring you other, other updates from Lyndon uh, as she becomes available to share those with us, um, and hopefully, um, you know, we'll have one in this this week, actually, as we come to our Easter weekend here, uh, we'll bring you those updates as a special episodes here on the Dressage Radio Show, so stay tuned for those as well. And we have some good news from, from Sweden, Lisa, your friend Jan Brink, he and his wife Katarina Svensson became the proud parents of their first child, a baby girl, Angelina Brink, on March 22nd. Apparently everything went smooth despite a caesarean section and the family's back home in Tolstorp. So a uh, big congratulations to Jan and his wife there on the birth of their, their first That's child. That's got to be the most beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby <laughs> in Sweden. I'll bet it is. You're right. I'm just guessing it's blonde-haired and blue-eyed. How about you? <laughs> I, I, I think we could put some money on that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. No, they're a gorgeous couple, and I just can imagine Angelina is a dear. Absolutely. So congratulations to both of them. Looking forward to seeing some uh, baby pictures. Yes, no doubt we will. No doubt we will. Um, well, best of luck to both of them. Well, we're going to uh, take some time now to hear from Klaatje van Andel of Dressage Direct, um, as you, as we all know, and as you mentioned, you were following it last weekend, the World Cup uh, finals, a big conclusion to that World Cup series, the FEI World Cup dressage finals which took place in Hertogenbosch in the Netherlands this past weekend. Um, of course, Edward Gall uh, with Totilus went into it as favourite, but he got off to a bit of a shaky start, as we're going to hear now from Klaatje. Well, hi, Klaatje. Uh, welcome back to the show. I know you've had a really wonderful weekend, and uh, I'm sure the Dutch are still celebrating after the World Cup finals, huh? Uh, I'm, I'm sure they do. It has been a wonderful party, a huge, wonderful, great show, and uh, we all have been celebrating. Um, if you w- would have time, but, uh, because for the ones that are working, it's still continuing and going on, and um, um, it's not always too easy to celebrate, but the Dutch have been celebrating really very well. <laughs> and all three, I must say, because Inke Schellekens Bartels, um, she's riding on the wonderful, nice, the uh, cure music of Vivi Soyadi, the, the la- nice, light, Piano music. She did really, um, 
ja, a one of a, life, a, one of a lifetime test. And um, it's that the other two are this good, but <laughs> otherwise she could have won as well. Before we go to the freestyle, uh, let's start at the beginning, Clutcher, because it, it, there was a little bit of an upset there um, when Adeline yeah. and Parseval yeah. won the Grand Prix and, and, and put, put Edward in second place. And and and, she, and only just just over two points ahead of him, uh, absolutely. But I think what's significant with that is there must be tremendous pressure on Edward Gull now. And, you know, you can't expect anybody to come in and break world records every time. But for him to have to come no. in in front of his home audience with a horse that keeps breaking world records and is expected to be the the World Cup champion, um, do you think that was showing on Edward or the horse or both? Uh, I, I think it showed on both. And I think probably it started with a slightly um, distraction from the horse and then Edward got tensed. So, and it's always a combination of rider and horse. We, we know all about that. And, um, he, he couldn't get, um, relaxed again in, in the rest of his test. And so, um, his wonderful horse, Mor- Morlan Totilas, didn't show relaxation as he just uh, is famous of because he's just famous of doing the most difficult exercises the wonderful piafas uh, like he's going on he's able to going on for an hour and then he immediately re- relax do the extended walk um, uh, look around w- whether there's nothing and whether he's in his own garden but this time uh, tension uh, was visible and it was a surprise for us all I'm sure. I'm sure it was. And those of us who were waiting for those results, uh, you know, we we just took us by surprise that that uh, Adeline. But Adeline has been going so consistently well. We shouldn't detract from her performance because she has been consistent uh, over the winter here. She's really been going better and better with this horse, and yeah. and and, yeah. And, it, and now is a challenge and proved to be a challenge for Totilas and, and absolutely. And she is the only uh, pair that ever bet uh, Morland Stotilas and Edward Kahl. Um She was able to win the Grand Prix Special at the European Championships in August, in winter. And now she was able to win this Grand Prix. So she's the only Grand Prix pair that ever bit, bit, uh, um, that, that ever has beaten uh, Edward Kahl and Morland Stotilas. And nice to see Isabel Werth back up there with Verumnicht. And it, and I think looking at the results from the Grand Prix, um, Gladio, wouldn't you agree that they the rest pretty much fell where you would expect them to? Um, I think Isabel was surprised um, that she didn't come a bit closer. I think she had expected to become probably third, and um, she's always riding very strongly and without hesitation and doing very, very well. But I think she was surprised by uh, the Dutch. Although she did a very good job. It it, was, it really was a very good test. And uh, at, at this moment, if we continue to, store, to talk about the freestyle, um, all Dutch um, were so much yelling for Skendik and Patrick Kittel that they really thought he was more convincing than Waarom Nicht Everha. 
um, Scanic did one of his best tests as well with really a great Piaf and Passage and doing so well. Um, but he scored less than Waarom Lief FRH because of his um, uh, total image of being not that uphill as Waarom Lief FRH always is. So that Patrick Kittel still has to work a bit more on his canter to get it more uphill. Well, a great debut for Patrick Kittle with, with Scandic. We had him on the show here a few weeks ago, and he was very much looking forward to making his debut in a World Cup final. So a great effort for him to finish fifth. And then, absolutely, absolutely. And, and getting into those final, into the freestyle now, of course, Edward, World Cup champion with 89.80. So really, by the time he got into his freestyle program uh, on the Saturday afternoon, Clutcher, he was back to what uh, must have been is, is a good is relaxed and, and got used to the environment. Yeah, um, absolutely. He had a, a small advantage because he was the last rider. It was the draw that made him the last rider. It could have been any place of, of the last second half of the finalists, but he was the last. So he knew what he had to receive. He, he knew what he had to ride. And Adelinde Cornelis had 82.85. Imke Schellekens Bartels had 82.15, and he knew he could go for that. So he decided to be as relaxed as possible and not to overdo things. So you could already start, see at the start that he didn't do his maximum extreme extended trot as he can. He starts with the extended trot, and he did it a nice, harmonious, and probably the horse is, is uh, able to do much more, but it's also very good to start relaxed. And he started relaxed, and that was the same as Piaf. He started not to overdo it, so not like one minute Piaf. He just did uh, like the, the 12 steps that were uh, necessary to show. And then he... He, he just continued his test and um, you saw that the re relaxation fell over the pair. It started with a bit anxiousness. Uh, what will it be this time? Also with the audience because every no, no, nobody was even um, coughing or whatever. They were all very much into it because it, it was a big um, um, uh, test test for him and he has done the World Cup you you all know in America that he has done the World Cup final in Las Vegas wonderfully riding Ling but he became the runner up he, he won the Grand Prix became the runner up after Bonfire in the final and after Salineo in the final and um, he never won a final and it's one thing to think of winning but, it, but it's a second thing to really do it and he said afterwards that he really, he hadn't slept all night. And <laughs> he really, he really uh, was very, very, very uh, unrelaxed. He looked pale and you you saw when he um, was halfway his test that the relaxation fell over the pair. And that was the moment that everything just uh, went um, like it was no effort at all. And that he, that, that that was the moment that he 
himself uh, believed that he could be the winner and that he enjoyed his ride. The first half of his freestyle, he said afterwards, I didn't enjoy it because I thought this and this and this and this can go wrong and this can go wrong. After the two tempi changes and the one tempi changes without any mistakes, he thought, well, now I'm going to enjoy the second half of my ride. And he did. And, and he, he was the winner. And 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 congratulations to, to, to him too. And and the second and third place of Adelind and, and Imke there was very, very close. Did it ride as close as the scores reflect, Klaatje? Uh, yeah, it, it was really very, very close. And it was, I think it was because of the emotion of the test of um, Hunter Douglas Sunrise and Imke Schellekens Bartels. They were so harmonious and they were really in the flow. They never hesitated. And Adelinda Cornelissen had had taken a risk by doing a new freestyle. And it was her first show that she did this freestyle. So she was counting and uh, thinking about, uh, am I in the right time? And do, can I start the, 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 the next movement already? So that w- uh, showed a little bit. So two of the judges even had um, Imke on the second place. Yes. That were uh, Francis Verbeek of the Netherlands and Mr. Turnblad of yes. Denmark. Yes, I saw that. Uh, so very, very close. Uh, very, very, very close. And Adeline had one mistake. She had one mistake in the one tempi changes because she was counting. And she thought, oh, okay, I'm right, I'm right. And she stopped giving the eight. It was a, a, a difficult uh, one tempi change line on the on the center line. And after four one tempi changes, she thought, okay, I'm right. And then she uh, suddenly f- forgot to give her eight to continue oh. the one tempi changes. <laughs> and the horse was very reliable because he stopped doing the one tempi changes. So he, he was f- very obedient. So she said, oh, I'm so angry with myself because he did. He, he just was obedient. I stopped yes. giving the aids and he stopped doing the one tempi changes. Yes. So she was very angry with herself. Well, that's a great shame, but it just shows, <laughs> you know, how fine that line is, Clutcher. You know, when you absolutely. get to know and the the ten, you know the the accuracy is is absolutely everything in dressage. Absolutely, and, but it what is. a fantastic final! And you know, Isabel, I'm sure would love to have dislodged one at least one of the Dutch riders, but uh, she came in a close fourth, and I'm sure will have her sights set on the rest of the year. And uh, yeah. get, getting her revenge when it comes to uh, the World Equestrian Games later in the and, year. And she has really a promising new horse. He did very well last week in Dortmund. He's yes. only nine years old. And all the ones that have seen him in Dortmund say she has never had a better horse than this horse. So there are new horses to come and new challenges to come. And it's it's never said already that you cannot beat the Totilas or Parsifal or what horse ever there are new horses coming oh, oh well i'm looking forward to seeing isabel's new horse because i've heard so much about him and yeah. you know very exciting future for her so we we'll, uh, you know i think we, this year is going to be incredibly exciting when we get to the world equestrian games Clarcia, can you imagine the tension here? We've got we've got our own rider oh, here you, trying to keep, keep the keep the Dutch and the Germans at bay. Stefan's got uh, a lot of pressure on his shoulder and a lot of pressure on Edward again. Yeah. To, to yeah. you know, 
retain and, and that yeah. consistency. So yeah. Yeah. All, it'll be all to play for. And I know you'll be here. You'll yeah, be here of, course. Of, of course. Of course. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right, Clutchy. Well, we will look forward to catching up with you when you get over here to Kentucky for the World yeah, Question Games. Yeah, absolutely. Have I'd, li- I'd like to add one more thing, if, if of possible. Course. Of course. Um, the first sponsor 25 years of the World Cup was Nashua. And now Nashua is called Rico. It's a big company. And they are still the sponsor of the show in Sertogombos. And Rico has helped me to bring out a little booklet on 25 years of World Cup size. Because I thought it's a shame that there's nothing um, on 25 years of World Cup size. We still have a wonderful World Cup booklet and... Um, uh, and and also for the show jumping, but there's nothing for dressage. And um, I've made a little tribute to the FEI World Cup dressage 1986-2010 at the occasion of the 25th anniversary. I've been able to interview all winners, and uh, it concludes with a lot of statistics. Um, so I was very happy that Rico uh, gave me the opportunity to make this booklet in only three weeks' time. And, um, well, um, I hope that there will be more opportunities for our wonderful dressage sport that still sponsors like Rico um, believe in the sport because um, without information for press and information for riders and wonderful um, statistics that are still um, available. You you cannot continue with um, um, making your sport just as wonderful and just as uh, important as uh, the other disciplines like show jumping. So um, I like to thank Rico for making this booklet. They produce it in their own house. And um, uh, it was really an effort of the three of us, of um, Rico and photographer Arne Bronkhorst, who gave his pictures, and myself, who had all the statistics. And it's only produced in a very, very small amount of 600. I will send Stefan Peters, who contributed to the booklet, and, um, of course, Debbie McDonald as the winner who con- contributed to the booklet. I will send it to to their homes, and um, uh, I hope they will love what has um, been made out of it. I'm well, very happy with it. Congratulations. That, I'm sure, is a, you know, a very important chronicle and history of the World Cup, and uh, no better person to do it, Clarty, because you do have that knowledge and uh, and the statistics. So congratulations on producing Thank that. Thank you. We look forward Thank to seeing you. it. And thanks again for coming on the show, Clarty, and we look forward to catching up with you through the summer and definitely here when you get to the World Equestrian Games. Um, and and uh, uh, I wish you all a very good preparation time for that because you will need it and uh, I um, and am really in uh, in, um, in in um, how, how would you say it um, praising mood uh, that that you are all organizing this it's a huge event so it's great that you're doing this
Absolutely. Well, we will have the uh, test event, of course, coming up here at the end of April in the Kentucky Horse Park. So for dressage, jumping and eventing. Yeah. So um, we're looking forward to that and we'll uh, look forward to catching up with you again later in the year, Clarcia. Thank you very much indeed. You're most welcome. Thank you. Bye. Well, great to have that re- re- review from Clarcher. Obviously, uh, she she follows the sport so closely. She she knows the ins and outs of all those riders. But uh, you know, there's, there'd be a lot of orange flags waving around, a lot of orange shirts. You know, you always know where the Dutch are at these competitions, don't you? With Olympics <laughs> and wags. <laughs> they know how to do it, though. I'll tell you, when we were at the World Equestrian Games 2002, they were given people would come in the entrance. They were given orange T-shirts out. No buying them. Here's an orange T-shirt. Put it on. <laughs> oh, well, what the heck? This must be something about Spain. <clears throat> Before you know it, the whole audience was wearing orange T-shirts. But um, <clears throat> Well, they, they, you no. know, they really do stand out. And as you say, when they, they go and the, the, they all get together and they're, and they're very, very patriotic. And so you can just imagine with them with being on, on such a role as they have been this, these past few months now, coming over to the World Equestrian Games later this year, Lisa, you know there's going to be pockets of orange around that stadium when it comes to the yes. dressage. Absolutely. Well, they've they've certainly earned their little their spot where they are right now. Uh, one, two, and three at the World Cup. That's that's pretty impressive, and I think it's got a lot of the other nations, including ourselves, working very hard behind the scenes, realizing we need to step up to the plate. So, uh, uh, congratulations to them. And I know, I know how it is to ride stallions. So, I know <laughs> those ups and downs and. That first round is, oops, we'll hack that up for the stallion factor, but <clears throat> he knows what he's doing, and that's what you you see with the 89%. He got all, he got the stallion back, totalist, back in well, his... Uh, Talking back about, in his frame of back mind. In gro- back in the groove, absolutely. Um, and, you know, overcoming the nerves, as we heard from Clutch, you know, he was nervous. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you're used to riding sa- s- stallions. And this uh, is a s- nice segue into our next uh, segment, Lisa, because, as we know, you've been really busy with your first auction that took place down in Wellington this last weekend. And uh, we just can't wait here to hear how that went, because it, that was I know that was all consuming for you preparing these horses for the stallion. Oh, so, yes, uh, indeed. Tell us Yes, indeed. Well, I have to say, we had uh, a fantastic program for everyone, and the High Life team did a phenomenal job. They brought down 32 horses, w- stabled them. We had braiders in. The place looked fantastic. They had a gardener come in, and, and it was just decorated to the nines, and we had VIP tables with beautiful blue and red... Uh, tablecloths, so, <clears throat> and a wonderful band, and Joan and Kenny really went out, full out, and uh, the we had organized, I uh, had a wonderful program with um, George Morris and Lauren Huff, and uh, George did some commentary for Lauren as she jumped High Life Stallion, Prezioso, Breeding Stallion, she did a lovely job, they did a vertical combination oxer and uh they just kept setting that fence up and i thought oh my goodness this horse has such an elasticity and such a lightness and those two together that's what george kept saying these two are are like a dad team partner 
ship. It's they're just a match made in heaven. They know each other so well, and they've only been together a year, but they trust each other. So, and Lauren is fun, phenomenal with that. She took this strange horse and gave him so much confidence that a European tour, and now they're going to go out and do another European tour. But we got to get a taste of what she does with him out in Europe. <clears throat> and uh, so I want to thank George for that. He did an excellent job. And then we did a uh, nice dressage presentation with Euro, the, the, the Grand Prix gelding that I'm riding, and Ernst was over to do a demonstration, and I had Robert Dover to translate the demonstration, and we were able to show how we want or how we are bringing this horse to the 2012 qualifications for the Olympics. And, we should explain uh, that's Ernst Hoyes, uh, we should explain, Lisa, for those who are not familiar with <laughs> Ernst. Ernst has been, um, actually, he's been my trainer since, my goodness, 2000. And if not before, actually, 1998-99, he came on into the program at Gestut Vorwerk, and it's been a blessing. I, uh, I wouldn't be where I am today without his support and dedication in my riding. And uh, when I left Germany uh, and had gone to Switzerland, he even continued to help me there. And now I'm bringing him out to the United States, and he supports everything I'm doing over here, and I'm... It's just such a, it's such a comforting feeling to know I have that strength and that knowledge behind me because there's just, you feel like there's just nothing you can't, there's nothing you can't do. I just know if I get in a bind, I call the encyclopedia and, uh, <laughs> and it comes over and it helps me. So... He did a, a fabulous job assisting me in, in, in presenting these horses and showing where we're training. And, and then, of course, the uh, Diamond Stud, who was the father of a lot of the offspring we put over the auction. And he's seven at the moment. And we talked about him learning the changes and going on into the fourth level, the pirouettes, the canter pirouettes. We showed a little bit of the half-pass work. And even started little half-steps in the pee-off and showing what we're looking for, and and that just a, a few steps evenly, pat him both directions, and we were done. And I think the audience was very impressed in the fact that we're not looking to have Piaf today. We're looking to have a reaction today and a horse to understand what we're doing and building on that. And uh, so that went very, very well. And then Jan Bronze assisted me in riding one of our six-year-old geldings, Sandro Hit uh, Daydream. And they went through and walked through the six-year-old test and what's required there, the flying changes, the counter counter, the half passes, and uh, all of this. And so the presentation was fantastic. And I could, the public was very interested. You could tell that that was something that, um, that people are craving, that education, and that, you know, that long-term relationship as well, a trainer-rider having been together for how many years does that make that now? <clears throat> a long time. Never mind. That just makes me a little older. <laughs> but uh, so then we got into the sales, and... We had good sales. They were probably in the $30,000 range, but remember, we had two-year-olds, three-year-olds, horses that weren't under saddle. And then um, we showed horses free jumping, 
ponies free jumping. We sold ponies, um, some of the younger stock free jumping. So all in all, I think for a first endeavor, was very, very positively received. And, of course, we're going to make some changes. I hope maybe we get an earlier date this next time around. But we'd love to make it an annual event and have gotten very, very positive responses from it. And I, I personally was very proud of what we presented and represented. So I'm looking forward to it next year. Well, good for you, Lisa. And I know some breeding, of course, is something that's dear to your heart. And we did mention last time you were on the show that we would have have a focus on, on breeding and choosing breeding lines because, you know, this is something not only you're passionate about, but you, you obviously have a lot of knowledge there. And maybe we could have just a show on that uh, one, one, one week if you're up for that. We'll that just, would be fantastic. We'll, we'll do that, that the next, ta- next, next time you're on, maybe in a couple of weeks, if that's okay. Yeah, very good. Would love to. And it is, it's such a joy to see the father going and then to go see his children. Yes. And look at, at the, the character, not only the exterior, but the character and what, what, gets, what gets handed down through, the, through his, his genetics. And then looking sure. at the mares. It is phenomenal. <clears throat> it's exciting. So it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating process, isn't it? Yes, and I think Joan has got a good hand on it. As a matter of fact, we should probably get her on the line too. Pick her brain. There you go. Joan we'll, Sims, the owner of Highlight. Joan Sims. Yes. Fun. Okay, we well, well, let's let's plan on doing that then and we'll have a breeding special here uh, the next <clears> time <throat> you're on in uh, 2 or 3 weeks time. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you for that, Lisa. Well, we're going to take a short break here for a commercial, and then we'll be back with our guest this week, Evie Strasser. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a second. Glenn the Geek here, and we get many emails every week from people who really like the shows, and they ask how they can help support the Horse Radio Network. Well, you already do that by listening to the shows and by buying from all of our fantastic sponsors. And now you can add to that by supporting us directly and very easily. The next time you need something from Amazon, just go to any of our websites and click on the Amazon banner in the middle of the page. Then go on and buy your Amazon items. It won't cost you a penny more, just an extra click. But Amazon gives us a little bit back just because you clicked on the banner. Tell your family and friends to do the same thing. Every little bit helps us to keep giving you the quality equestrian programming that you have come to love. Thanks for listening. Well, we're coming now to our guest, Evie Strasser, who um, I was able to catch up with just recently. Uh, Lisa, Lisa, uh, as you know, she was born in Bavaria. She is German, uh, but she rides for Canada. She's a Canadian citizen, and she operates uh, Good Time Stables. That's T-Y-M-E, Good Time Stables. And with her most recent recent successful partners include Just In Time and Quantum Time, and she has lots of others that use that time in their name. She is, of course, a Canadian Olympic. She competed in the Atlanta 19, in 1996. She's a team silver medalist from the Pan Am Games in 03. She was an alternate for Athens Olympic Games in 04. And she, scored, she was the top Canadian, actually, at the World Cup finals in Vegas, um, in, in the t- t- top Canadian score in Grand Prix. She was the top Canadian in Arkan for the World Equestrian Games in 06. And she's also shortlisted for the World Equestrian Games this this year. So let's welcome Evie Strasser. 
Evie, welcome and thank you for joining us on the Dressage Radio Show. That's so great having me here. Uh, well, I know you uh, already know about the show here, and so we, uh, you know, we just have good fun with our guests, and uh, uh, I'm glad that you're able to join us. I know this is the first time for you on the show, and so we'd like to start with a little bit of background, A.V., and telling our audience where it is you're based now, because I know you balance your life between uh, Germany and Canada, and tell us a little bit about uh, your facility in, in, in uh, Canada. I mean, my base is Montreal um, in Quebec, French-Canadian country here. And uh, this is actually where most of the horses are staying, especially young horses are getting raced and trained up here. And then once they come up the level, uh, into the FEI level, or if they are the uh, really successful five- or six-year-olds in Canada, then I consider them taking them over to Europe. Um, but when I have them literally going into the higher levels, then I, I make the decision to introduce them to Europe because I think uh, it's a very important step to prove yourself in that level that you uh, get known over there also, not just in North America. It's a bit of a harder thing in times, but I, I like to challenge that, and it's, uh, I'm having a lot of fun doing this. So how much time do you spend in Canada and how much time in Europe, Evie? It depends always on the year, you know, like when it was the Olympic year, then I literally spent uh, six, seven months there. But that means like traveling back and forth, you know, like stay six weeks, come back for two weeks or something like that, whatever I could afford uh, from the time frame to be away from the show horses. Um, but normally I would say like this year we will be probably going for three months, which I'm just right now preparing myself to go. I'm leaving on the 15th of April. I already have three horses there, and I take three more with me. And uh, start showing now from end of April on till end of July. So how many horses would you have in training at home in Canada right now? In total, we have here in Canada 15 right now. And uh, that is from the ponies to the three-year-old upcoming to the seven, eight-year-olds. So you spend your time between being a clinician, a rider, a trainer, um, and also a horse dealer. Do you, you, you enjoy the, the, the dealing part of the horse business, huh? It's basically not really dealing. I mean, we, we don't, it's not like that I'm selling a major extent of amounts of horses. It's basically what I enjoy doing is that I train, I buy them young, three years old mostly, and then I train them up uh, the level and the ranks till they are in the international level. And that's mostly that. When I put them onto the market and choose the rider for that horse, I'm, not, I'm now in a position that I don't need to sell all of them, uh, that I, have, I can decide who I'm going to sell it to. And I really like that because it makes it so much uh, enjoyable because you're, you're basically even if it would be a rider who would want that horse and I don't see that it suits it, I will not sell it because the horse will be not happy and the rider will be not happy. And I want a happy combination and a successful combination. And I'm at, at a point in my life that I really can decide that. And that's the exciting point here right now. And also the fun part, like I say, is that I take them from three through all the ranks up and and see where they can go and who could they suit and it's fun to sit back and watch them go like right now uh, uh richard davis and his artemis it's a joy and we had andiamo time with kira kirkland and uh Arel in japan i mean many 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 of our world cup horses which we had by now in total of them we have 12 world cup horses by now 
who came from the farm, so it's quite exciting now. And you always favoured the Oldenburg. I I love um, the the way the mix in the you know from the from the wagon horse to the show horse it went you know I love uh, that uh, you know when the breeding started to change from being the heavy horse to the riding horse not every breed was working very well with the thoroughbred and the Arabian in it so uh, and the Oldenburg I guess had enough colder blood in it which worked very well with the thoroughbreds and the Anglo Arabians. And I, I find that dispositions are excellent in the breeding. Um, I was very lucky with it until now, and I know it very well, even so that most of the breed is mixed up by now with Pale and Hanoverian. But I think the Oldenburgs are um, just the temperament I really like. So do you have uh, a stock of the, uh, in, in Europe that you turn to, a, a line that you, you fa- follow in, in Germany? Evie, or I, do, do you get them for in, in Canada? Do you, do you breed them yourself? No, I, very, I mean, we once in a while breed some from some of the stallions we had, but I mostly buy them two and a half, three years old. Um, there are certain lines I favor, certain lines I, I look very much for rideability. I look for three gates. Very important to me, it doesn't matter if it's the flashiest horse in the world in the trot, it has to have the walk and the canter. And the confirmation is very important to me uh, so that the horse also will be lasting, you know, and able to use his body in the right way um, and carry me all the way. And you also have an interest in show jumping. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a fun thing for me always. I really enjoyed it. But it happened just uh, um, that we, we bought some jumpers with my ex-boyfriend and uh, we were very successful with them because he liked the jumping a lot and we had some World Cup jumpers going and then happened that I once in a while bought one and they happened to turn out into the top of the World Cup for Canada like Archie Bunker was sixth in Las Vegas I bought him as a five turning six uh, for John Pierce and the whole German team tried him out and didn't think he was good and I said I buy him I think he's amazing and two years later, the horse was sixth in Las Vegas. So it's exciting. I, I love just the challenge of analyzing them and figure them out and, you know, give them also the doubt that they can make it. You know? yes. I, think so, I think also that you have to believe in a horse. That is another thing, that you um, figure out how it learns and how it, it can use himself. It's not always the same. And then watch them leave home and uh, go into the big time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, that is very fortunate. When you're able to produce them or get them into the directions they want to go, and then you see them being successful, it's just the ultimate field for me, uh, standing on the side, and it's just amazing. Well, you established your good time stables there in Quebec what, uh, back in the early 90s, wasn't it? Yes, uh, yes, and uh, with your your husband, who is a Hollywood TV producer, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a Hollywood producer for for uh, Spielberg and Spelling. He made a lot of movies for them. And so, I mean, I was in Hollywood quite a bit and lived in L.A. and showed in L.A. So that's um, a bit of a different way of living. So I've seen it all. And it's not, I don't need an Oscar at any uh, to watch again this is uh it's fine i've seen it i don't really would like this life <laughs> i'd rather be in the farm with the horses and 
and enjoy the showgrounds and I say with the dust of the disasterings. <laughs> there you go. Well, you do a lot of teaching too. Tell us about the students that you have right now. Do you have any Grand Prix level? I mean, I, I, I don't take many people because I am um, uh, concentrating still on my writing and the career also. And when I do something, I want to do it 100%. I don't like to spread myself. I am concentrating in one or two students and guide them along and want them to be successful. And uh, at this moment, I have um, two young writers. I mean, they're just coming out of the young writers now. And uh, one of the best one is right now Julie Watchhorn, which is now coming up the ladder and trying to get into the Panam Games and then into hopefully the Olympics with the horses she got now. And, I mean, the other ones are young riders and pony riders, you know, but I, like I said, I take maybe two or three people and concentrate on them. And uh, because I spend still a lot of time showing, and I I like to put 100% behind them, that I can be of a total support to them. Well, tell us about your top horses right now then, Evie. Which, uh, which of them are team prospects for you that you're focusing on this year? I have, a, I have an extremely good string of horses right now standing there. Um, I mean, I have a choice of right now two Grand Prix horses, Action and Quantum Time. Um, they are both uh, easy for the team, I think. When I, when the rider rides well, they will go, I say always. Um, the both are in extremely good condition and ready to go. And then uh, the upcoming horses are Dancing Time and Argo Conti Time. Those are uh, eight- and nine-year-olds. Uh, they both are doing all the Grand Prix, but I'm going to show them one more year in St. George and bring them the following year up. And then the next string is then Renaissance and Rolex. These are um, two six-year-olds, which are probably one of the best horses I've ever owned. Um, and I think um, the young stock which we have in Canada is all very promising, and we see who is crystallizing themselves out, uh, who suits me as a personality too. Um, doesn't mean that certain horses... They can be top, but then they're either too big, too strong, too wide for me, you know, and I will make a decision to let them go uh, because of that, because I I want them pretty light and easy for me to ride. I don't want a very strong or a big horse for me right now anymore. It has to be something which I can do, you know, effortless. So where will we see you competing this summer? Avi, what's your main focus for competitions through the summer? Um, I'm going right now. The first show will be uh, Saumur, uh, France. And then I go Munich in Germany. And then from there to Austria, Lipica, um, and then Hickstedt. I want to do the CDI 5 Star again. So I will be going till July to Europe and do like uh, visit. I make a two string of horses so that I always have uh, two and two going, two Grand Prix, one Grand Prix, one St. George's, and uh, do more shows through that. And keeps me then uh, in the ring and gets me more precise. I hope so. <laughs> so what, what's left for ambitions then, A.V.? As you said, you're in a position now where you can focus on what you really want to do with the, the, the horses that best fit you. Uh, well, what, what, would, what would you say would be your goals and ambitions for the next few years? Well, my, my goals always will be uh, to try to improve my writing and uh, 
for sure the goal would be that uh, for sure eventually win a medal or get under the first uh, five into the World Cup. Uh, that would be the ultimate. Uh, I mean, we do. We had many good horses. I mean, hopefully that Canada will progress up the ladder and get recognized more um, worldwide with the results we got now. And that maybe gives us a chance to, as a rider or a team, maybe get up to the medal condition there. That would be fantastic. That would be my goal for the country and for sure for the rest of the riders and myself, that would be the ultimate, I think. Well, Canada certainly is being a force to be reckoned with, and, and of course, you have the help of Robert Dover as well. Yeah, very now. fortunate. Very fortunate to have Robert on it now. He is very, I know him for a very, very long time, competed with him over many, many, many years, and I mean, he's an extremely uh, amazing trainer, writer, successful businessman. I admire him. I have, I mean, you can learn every day something from him. I always say that. I would have loved to go to Florida this year, but uh, um, I had so many young horses here that it was a bit difficult leaving and with my daughter that I had to make the commitment to stay home. And I thought, anyways, we had enough shows in Europe that I can uh, try my best there. And either, either I'm the best in this situation or um, then I wouldn't be a good force anyways for Canada if I'm not succeeding in that. Well, you obviously got a very busy year ahead of you, and we wish you all the best, Evie, uh, for your uh, competition season and uh, safe travels around the world, and uh, hopefully you'll come back uh, later in the year and uh, join us again here on the Dressage Radio Show. I would love to, any time, and I'm pretty sure I have many new stories to tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, that was great to catch up with her. She's obviously a very busy lady, balancing uh, her life between two countries, Lisa. You know how that challenging that can be. Unbelievable. My hat is off to her. Uh, but a very feisty, feisty competitor, obviously very ambitious, very passionate, and, uh, you, you know, really, really a lot of energy there. And, and we wish her all the very best of luck uh, making the, the shortlist and making, making her way to the World Equestrian Games again. Uh, so we'll we'll be following her as we get closer to the competition. And we're going to take another break here to hear from our friends over at Kentucky Performance Products. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Lisa and the tip of the week. You can count on Kentucky Performance Products to provide scientifically formulated, research-proven products that target specific challenges facing your horse. In the spring and summertime, one of those challenges is the heat. Horses sweat, and when they do, they lose critical electrolytes, electrolytes that play a major role in optimal performance. Loss of electrolytes can cause fatigue, muscle weakness, and dehydration. Horses offered supplemental electrolytes have less stress-related problems. They rebound from exercises sooner and return to feed quicker after exercise. Summer Games electrolytes from Kentucky Performance Products were developed for the elite athletes competing at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. Its research-proven formula replaces the electrolytes and trace minerals lost when horses sweat. Its concentrated low-sugar formula provides more electrolytes per dose than many leading brands. When your horse sweats, replenish his losses with Summer Games Electrolytes. Brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, helping you keep your horses healthy, sound, and competitive. Visit them at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Well, Lisa, 
you've always got something really useful up your sleeve when it comes to tips, and and this week's no no difference. Uh, and and I think you, what you, the question you're going to ask or uh, answer is if your horse is not willing to go forward, what do you do? Exactly, horses not willing to go forward. Now this is when I begin to troubleshoot things, and <clears throat> having the education I have from Aaron's Sawyer's. 29 years at the Spanish Riding School. My horse isn't going forward. The first thing I question is my seat. Now, what am I doing wrong that is this horse is interpreting and back in basically stuck, doesn't want to go forward? And something that Aaron Sawyer's opened my eyes to, he says, Lisa, open your thigh muscle. See, this happened with Rhodiamont. I got on Rhodiamont and clamped down. I was going to just, I thought this was a cute little half pony, half horse thing. I was going to manhandle it. And it stood. Rhodiamont stood. And uh, he says, open your thighs, Lisa. Relax your thighs. They should be long and soft along the barrels of the horse so the back can relax. And the barrel can breathe. If it hardens against us, nothing's moving. And I did that. And I used my voice a little. And a small little bit from my lower calf. And that horse moved off the spot. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I actually, I had no idea I was gripping that tight, Chris. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Our thighs... That's a large muscle mass. Yes. And if you're squeezing with your thigh and then your calf is down there going bing, 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 it's, it's a much smaller muscle than your thigh. It doesn't really have a chance, and it won't be able to work beyond that what your thigh is closing down. And what is interesting is how a horse will then open up suddenly and in his barrel begin to breathe the back relaxes, and then they take your lower leg aid and go forward. They stop holding their breath against your leg. So that would be my tip. Double-check your seat. Double-check yourself before you get too irritated with your horse for not responding because we might just be pulling that handbrake and the gas pedal at the same time. And I don't think the gas pedal is going to make that much of an impression if the handbrake is going to be pulled. You're that going to be spin- spinning your wheels, right? Correct. On the spot. So uh, that would be something you should try, Chris, while you're riding with stirrups. Okay. Okay. Your nice thoroughbred. And just feel how much of a, an impact your thigh can have negatively in a horse. And thoroughbreds are sensitive. They'll tell you in a heartbeat. Yes. <clears throat> and if it's, you know, and we had talked about improper fitting saddles and things like that before in Tips of the Week, they can also cause horses to lock up and not go forward because their shoulders are blocked. <clears throat> so same type of idea, and now we want to make sure that we are not the cause. And Do that you find... Do you find, Lisa, there's any difference in that the mechanics of that um, adjustment between riding a stallion and, say, a mare who's in season? 
I think in both cases, you have very sensitive characters, horses. And a stallion <clears throat> is going to get stubborn. If you, you, you want to poke, I'll tell you, I always said, you want to make a Catholic rider out of somebody who's kicking and poking and doing all that? Go put them on a stallion real fast. <laughs> and see how long they last <laughs> doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make you real Catholic real fast and <laughs> respectful. But with the stallions, you know, the needling them with the spur and poking them with the spur, that will get a, a stallion to react definitely in the negative. They'll hold their breath. They'll get angry. They won't go forward. They'll go backwards, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. and an irritation. But if you'll open up the thigh, come with a, a press of a calf, just a press. You know, or a yeah. bump, which I've yeah. called it before boxing, you, you will find that the, the you know the horses that are even holding their breath a little will begin to they'll be, begin to coax they'll be coaxed into breathing through that little stimulation of a box, and I, I have been known to compare it to come you know the babies that are newborns that aren't yes. breathing, and the doctor smacks them on the butt to stimulate them to breathe with just a little flat hand. This is like the flat box on the rib for the horses that are holding themselves against the rider. But <clears throat> but it's very important to make sure that the thigh is not restricting them in any way. And the mares, of course, hypersensitive. Those the same respect. Don't squeeze down on them. Light aids, and I always start small and see where it leads and see what I need after that. Start small, not an elephant in a china closet. Uh, a lot of these girls are exceptionally sensitive, and, and, and a too hard of a whack is going to get you <clears throat> off to the races in no time in some cases. And also, or, you know, the ringing of the tail, the, you know, curling of their rib cage around a leg or away, or into your leg. A lot of these different things where they go into your leg yes. rather than away from it. Yes, yes. <clears throat> so I think that uh, you, you have to be sensitive to the animals you're riding and just be conscientious and check your seat real fast. Just do a check there and make sure you're not closing them down. Make sure you're not the one pulling the brake. Absolutely. Well, great advice. Well, thanks, Lisa. uh, That's a great tip of the week. Appreciate that. You always have some great tips, you know. (laughs) Well, I hope somebody goes out there, writes back and goes, oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. That and you know who's going to thank you? Your horses. Yes. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Lisa. Well, we just have one email this week, and that comes from Jennifer, who writes um, that she was listening to the show and when I was asking about me- memorable partnerships, any suggestions uh, for, for those uh, uh, memorable partnerships out there. And uh, uh, she suggests Carol Lavelle and Gifted and also Michelle Gibson and Perron. So, uh, Jennifer, I will look into those if we can't get Carol or Michelle or both of them at some point on the show here to uh, to kick this series off. So uh, don't forget to write me with your suggestions. And you can also uh, send in, obviously, any questions, suggestions or comments you have on the show to chris at horseradionetwork.com or you can leave a voicemail 270-803-0025 and visit our fan page of course on Facebook and that's a very active fan page there 
And, uh, of course, all our, as always, our show notes will be on dressageradio.com. I would like to thank our sponsors this week, as always, for making this show possible. Please support them. They keep us on the air, as indeed do Brian and Glenn. They make us sound good every week. I want to thank them. <laughs> and I also want to remind you to visit our other shows here at the Horse Radio Network, the new Jumping Radio Show. And, the, of course, the Eventing Radio Show, both of which I co-host with some great people. So check those out. And don't forget to check out the 2010 Radio Show, which is all about the World Equestrian Games. And that's co-hosted by Glenn and Samantha. Check those out and uh, visit us back here, Lisa. You'll be back in a few weeks. We're going to do this breeding episode, right, in a few Excellent. weeks' time? Yep, looking forward. All right, we'll do that. And uh, so what do you... Yeah. Plenty of plenty of content for that, I'm sure. Um, you won't be short of information, if I know you. No, not at all. And we'll be able to, the, you know, the fun thing will be is <clears throat> looking at what we're able to get now here in America or the, or the stallions that we have here in America. And uh, for me to compare and contrast with the breeding programs that we were looking at in Europe and the things that I, I uh, was a part of in Europe at Gestut Vorwerk, and now comparing that to what we have here in Orlando, Florida. And I'm telling you, we've got very good stock. So the fun, the fun thing is, is to see that the Americans are really getting a hold of excellent breeding stallions here. Well, I also want to mention, Lisa, <clears throat> when you talked about working with Ernst Toyers, of course, over these years and, mm-hmm. and, and the small steps and asking small questions, you know, a little bit of PF and, you know, not to eat the elephant with one bite kind of thing, um, yeah. that you produced this wonderful video um, a few years ago that I was fortunate to be a part of when you and Ernst were in Texas, if you remember, for the USDF. Yes. Correct, yes. Um, so that, I think, believe is still available through the U.S. Dressage Federation. And I'm, I'm not sure what it was called, but it was, uh, do you remember the title of that video? Uh, I produced it, and I can't remember the title of it. Um, Thank God, because I can't either. This would be called uh, <laughs> Chris and Lisa's Old Timers. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'll let you research that. Oh. I will. <laughs> and, I, and I will research it, and I will put a link on our website to it. So uh, it, that's just one of the videos that Lisa has produced, so check that out. All right, Lisa, well, great to catch up with you again, as always, and we'll look forward to having you back on the show in just a few short weeks' time. So uh, take care, enjoy yourself out there. I'll be back here in the same place next week. So until then... Thanks for listening and enjoy your riding.